Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. One day closer to the weekend, one day closer to a huge SEC baseball series between Mississippi State and our tribal Ole Miss. We'll get into more of that on Friday as we kind of prepare you for uh, for a big weekend. You know, State and Ole Miss, while State has had the better season overall, exactly the same in-conference record. And so we're, we're kind of battling for positioning in the pecking order here, and this is a series that State really needs to win to stay in that top four in the SEC and really give them an opportunity uh, to get a top eight national seed. Very, very, very important weekend. The last true road trip of the season for Mississippi State. Last time State will play in front of a hostile crowd, barring something totally unforeseen. So, uh, excited to have you with us today. We'll get into all that and more much later in the week. Today, Mississippi State will take on Memphis. We'll preview that. We'll look at some uh, football recruiting news, as well as uh, 
you know, just whatever strikes our fancy today. So, uh, again, I want to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmart, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie that kind of runs the show downstairs. Everybody up there will treat you like family because in their mind, you are family. We encourage you to go by, meet them, have your picture made, whatever, buy the gear, outfit your family, your RV, your home, your pet, whatever, with the latest in maroon and white fashions. You can get all kind of decorative items there as well. And if you can't make it to town, and perhaps game day is not a shopping day for you, we encourage you to visit them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we will give you a promo code that will save you a little cash. The, the phrase it pays, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And quite frankly, any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So before we get into tonight's game, let's take a look at what happened last night around the league in the Southeastern Conference. Just six games of action involving SEC teams, some that, uh, some surprising results, I guess you could say. And, and I get back to this because so many people uh, mentioned this about uh, the midweek games are not important. You know, uh, when, when you're building a postseason resume, you're building an RPI, you're building a brand, you can't afford to drop too many of these midweek games. And uh, State undefeated in the midweek, uh, done a great job this year, and that's one of the things I, I, why I think State is still ranked so high is because State has been able to kind of avoid the bad loss. There have been some disappointing losses, but State's losses have been to teams that were with comparable ability and or, you know, teams like Southern Miss that uh, have come in here and, and they win that first ball game, you know, one nothing in 10 innings. Uh, but Southern Miss is a good team. So it's not like losing, you know, to, you know, Southwest Alaska Tech or something. And so the bottom line is you need to take care of these games. You need to take care of these wins. And, and while it may not uh, matter in the long run to many people, it does matter when they begin to establish the pecking order for the, your postseason resume. When they begin to look at teams that are similarly situated with conference record, the non-conference schedule as well as the strength of schedule is going to be the determining factor. And you want to be able to say you won those ball games. And so looking at what happened last night, Tennessee takes care of Austin P. Uh, the fighting Mark Hudson was there go down 9-4, to 9-4 Tennessee. Florida takes care of South Florida, 7-3. to three. And if you recall earlier this year, Florida was really struggling to win the midweek. Uh, they win this one. UAB takes down Auburn by a score of 6-4. to four. Nice win for Coach Polk and Coach, uh, Coach Hoop over there. Congratulations to the Blazers. Vanderbilt in a kind of a primetime late season non-conference uh, treat. Vanderbilt and Louisville play. Vanderbilt wins six to two in that ball game. It's a battle of two top ten teams. Vanderbilt coming in number six in the D1 baseball rankings, and Vanderbilt number three. Louisville six, Vanderbilt three. Final score there six two in favor of the of the Commodores. And I've had some people say, "We well, you know Steve is Vanderbilt the best team in the conference." Uh, I think you could certainly make that argument with what they have back this year. Uh, they, they've got some pretty outstanding pitching, but I am eager to see them play away from Nashville. You know, Mississippi State goes into Nashville last year, wins the Super Regional, and uh, could probably should have won it two games. But you win the Super Regional right there in Nashville, they're going to be a different team away from that ballpark. They've got the turf field there. It's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's an odd configuration, which is kind of like the, the Vanderbilt way, but it's one of those things that uh, once you get them out of that ballpark, they're going to be much more difficult. Uh, it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to win ball games. And what I mean by that is if you look at who they've played, look at their schedule, and maybe let's do that for a second here before we move on. Commodore's currently 39-9. and nine. One of those nine losses came in 10 innings to Austin P. 
uh, right there in Nashville. Uh, that, that's one that kind of sticks out. But to get a little deeper in the schedule, they take uh, they take two of three at home against Illinois State. Illinois State seven three winners in the Sunday ball game. They lose on the road, lose two out of three on the road at College Station, Texas. And uh, we know from last weekend how difficult a place that can be to play. And uh, the the Sunday game not competitive at all, seven nothing in favor of the Aggies. And so uh, that's kind of kind of speaks to the point that I mentioned is that. Uh, they're not going to be as good on the road, and nobody ever is. But Vanderbilt is built to play in that ballpark, and they've been recruited to kind of play on that turf. And, listen, you, you work with what you have, and you, you put yourself in the best situation to be successful. But I think on a neutral field, Mississippi State's got a good chance to get those guys. They do sweep the series at home against Florida. They take two out of three at home against Tennessee. Then they go on the road at Georgia, and guess what happened when they went on the road to Georgia? They lost the series. They win Friday night 3-2 and lose on uh, Saturday, Sunday. They take two out of three at home against Arkansas, and then, of course, they sweep Alabama. But everybody's sweeping Alabama. It is the trendy and fun thing to do. They sweep Auburn and Nashville, and then they uh, take they go to South Carolina and, and beat a really bad South Carolina team. And so th- my point being is that they don't have many quality road wins. It's difficult to go out in this league and win on the road. You know, winning at Alabama, the worst team in the West, there's no real accomplishment in that. Winning on the road to South Carolina, the worst team in the East, no real accomplishment in that. But when they have gone on the road and played conference tournament teams, teams that are going to compete in Hoover but also expected to be in the NCAA tournament, they have really struggled. They lose the series at A&M and at Georgia. And I believe they would lose at Mississippi State. And so a lot of people are beginning to kind of I said, man, this Vanderbilt team is great. They are a really, really good team. There's no doubt about it. I do not think this is some machine. I think this team is Mississippi State's capable of beating this team. Looking around the league again, Indiana and Kentucky play last night. Win for uh, Nick Mangione in Kentucky. That's a good one because Indiana is a team that uh, is kind of battling for the Big Ten championship. They're a team that will likely have an opportunity to to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, That's a big win for them. You know, Kentucky's battling to get to Hoover. You know, they're going to play South Carolina. So, you know, somebody's going to pick up a couple of wins there. But, uh, you know, 12 of the 14 teams are going to make it. And uh, you begin to look at this thing, Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky, all kind of, you know, trying to manage their way in here. Uh, So it's good that Nick's young guys are kind of figuring some things out. They win that series against South Carolina. I think you feel pretty good about them getting in. Probably the biggest score of note last night, Louisiana Tech 12, LSU 1. Louisiana Tech 12, LSU 1. A couple things I want to say about this. Number one, every time that I see LSU lose a ball game, I always think to myself, how in the world did we blow that series against them? It's just, again, just further proof that uh, LSU just simply has our number in good times and in bad. And, and it infuriates me. This LSU team is 30 and 19, folks. 30 and 19. And they've lost, what, three of the last four? They've been miserable in the midweek games. Yeah, I don't know how you look at this team and say, you know what, this team's capable of doing some big things, because they're not. I mean, they're just so unbelievably inconsistent. And to put that in perspective, Louisiana Tech, after last night's win, they're also 30-19. and 30-19, and 19, that's LSU's record. This is a team that many people had uh, in the top five in preseason, which is kind of an annual rite of passage. Nobody wants to be wrong, so they kind of err on the side of caution and kind of pick the blue bloods. You know, Florida, Vanderbilt, OSU are all, all ranked very, very high. Vanderbilt has proven to be uh, 
what what they were advertised to be. Florida and OSU have not. Florida can do no best than a 500 record in conference this year. And LSU 30-19. Now, while Louisiana Tech's important, it's because we just added them to the schedule. We're going to play them next Tuesday night in Duke Noble Field. A reminder, that is a free admission ball game. No reserve seating other than the premium seating, which I mean by that is the suites and the Omaha Club and all that kind of stuff. So the bottom line is, if you've wanted a chance to come out and sit in the grandstand, and that's been an issue for you, and maybe you're, you can't secure tickets from other people or whatever, you don't have to worry with any of that. Just bring the kids out. I know it's a school night, but nobody's doing anything major this time of year at school anyway. We're, we're getting ready to coast, right? Bring the kids out. Come to Duty Noble Field next Tuesday. That's going to be a big ball game. Okay, we're, we're not going to be able to just coast through that ball game against Louisiana Tech. And the fact that they beat LSU, that gives them a little RPI boost, which I think will be, you know, will be helpful to us should we have an opportunity to win that ball game. The good part of this is, is I think by them knocking off LSU and really embarrassing LSU there in Alex Box Stadium, is it will get our full attention. The leadership on our team will fully appreciate where things stand, what they need to do, and how they need to approach that ball game. Because uh, next week you would think, okay, next week should be a week that State can get fat. Because you have Tech coming in and you've got South Carolina coming in. Should be a 4-0 week. But any chances of us looking ahead to senior day were erased last night. Because Louisiana Tech proved that they're capable. And that's, that's Lane Burrow's team, former Mississippi State assistant coach Lane Burrow. That's his team. They're going to come in here swinging the bats for sure. They absolutely embarrassed LSU. And LSU's in a situation where they have kind of run out of pitching. Cole Henry's been on the shelf a little bit. Uh, they have not been the team that many people expected them to be. It's one of those things that I've said many times. It's almost like preseason rankings don't mean anything because they don't. They mean absolutely nothing. Uh, I think that's a, a big part of things, you know, kind of figuring this deal, this whole deal out. Is uh, as long as you keep playing, as long as you keep winning, things like rankings and RPI and strength of schedule all take care of themselves. But again, LSU gives up 17 hits last night. 12 runs, 17 hits. Tech jumps on them early. It's 2-0 in the first. They they nursed the lead along. Guys, listen. It's 7-0 after the sixth. 7-0. Tech goes up there and puts up six zeros to start the game and really begin putting it away. And then LSU scores in the seventh to, to, to get on the board. And then Tech answers with four in the eighth to put that thing away. That's what teams should be doing this time of year. And, uh, you know, looking around the numbers here, I mean, you know, LSU – just four hits on the night, four hits in a midweek ball game. Uh, it's it's really it's really kind of embarrassing when you look at it, and it couldn't happen to a better bunch, quite frankly. Uh, you know, you guys know I'm I'm a hater when it comes to LSU. I'm very jealous of what they have because what we should have. But uh, this is a wake up call for Mississippi State. You know, they see Louisiana Tech putting up big runs like that and swinging a bat as well as they have been. Uh, it's big. It's big. It's it's really really big because I believe Mississippi State. Uh, has a real opportunity to, to finish this regular season out strong. And you begin to think about what, you know, a 4-0 week could mean heading into Hoover. You know, that I think that kind of removes all doubt. I think if you win these two non-conference games and win these final two series, you got eight games left, you finish six and two, and two of those wins are the non-conference wins, I, I think you've put yourself right where you want to be. I think I think no matter what happens at Hoover – if State can finish the regular season by winning these last two SEC series and sweeping the non-conference midweek games, you're going to be a top eight national seed. You win a game or two in Hoover, maybe you move up to the top half of it. But uh, the bottom line is State controls their own destiny. 
There's absolutely no question about that. State can do whatever they need to do to get where they need to go. I want to remind you guys when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is uh, where the cool kids go to break bread. You should come be a part of that. When you're in town, go by, find your own favorites. There's not much better than a great restaurant quality hamburger. You know, you work hard, you put up with a lot of nonsense, right? You deserve to be able to treat yourself well every once in a while. And there's nothing better. Taking a little time for yourself, putting the phone down, and wrapping those hands around a great restaurant quality burger. And that's what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company right here in Starkville Place. It is uniquely Starkville, a Starkvillian institution. So I encourage you, when you're in town, go by, see Ian, the friendly staff there at Bulldog Burger Company, and find some things that you like. And you know what? Maybe you don't want to eat that heavy. Maybe you just want a salad. You can do that. I recommend the Angry Bird Salad. If you want a chicken sandwich, you can get the Sweet Heat Chicken Sandwich. So many options to choose from. If you're health conscious, you can get the gluten-free bun. You can get no bun. How about that? A lot of options for you there, Bulldog Burger Company. The place in Stark before people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's look at Memphis here. I just received word that Memphis is going to start uh, left-handed pitcher Danny Dens. Danny Dens will be the Memphis starter, and uh, we'll look up his numbers here for you. Dens will enter tonight's ball game with a 2-2 two two record. He has thrown 27 innings, allowed 23 hits and 22 runs, 18 of those earned, 25 walks against just 27 strikeouts. He's allowed six doubles and a pair of home runs. Uh, so, interesting. Okay, so he's you know typical midweek guy. He's got a 2.45 ERA. Um, so, you know, what's, uh, well, that's not right. That, that's not right. He's got a 6.00 ERA. That's 2.45 for a single game. My, my, my apologies, folks. Please forgive me. Uh, but Denz is a guy. He's a left-hander, so that means that, uh, that he's going to turn Jake Mangum and um, and uh, and Roddy, Roddy Jordan around, make him make him hit right-handed. But he is a junior left-hander, 5'9", 198 pounds, from Carpent- Carpentersville, Illinois. Interesting. We'll see him. So we'll see how that, that breaks out. Now, some of the guys you got to pay attention to, they have a freshman catcher, guys, that is outstanding. A young man by the name of Hunter Goodman. He is uh, He's their catcher, and uh, he is among their leading hitters right now. He is their leading hitter for average. He is from Arlington High School right there in Arlington, Tennessee, six foot, 205 pounds, uh, currently hitting 364. He started every single game. He's got 72 hits, which easily leads a team. 46 runs, which leads a team. 14 doubles, which leads a team. Are you, are you with me here? Are you with me? Two triples, which leads a team. 11 home runs that leads a team. 59 RBI that leads a team with change. As a matter of fact, he has more RBI than any other two players on that team combined. He is absolutely the straw that stirs the drink. He's only walked eight times. He struck out 40 times, which is uh, second highest on the team. But uh, he is a guy, number 35, so go ahead and be mindful of that. This is this is an SEC guy playing in the AAC. That's a guy that we're going to have to be very careful with. Can't make a mistake with him because he will absolutely hurt you. That that That's a big-time player right there. So so we'll see him tonight and uh, be eager to see how he performs. They only have uh, four hitters hitting over 300, even though they've got a couple guys pretty close there. Peyton Marshall's another guy, uh, number 19 in the scorecard. Uh, one of those guys, too, six foot, 222-pound senior from Kingsport, Tennessee. And Memphis is going to be a very Tennessee-friendly rivalry. A lot of home state guys there. Uh, Peyton Marshall, uh, 319 hitter, nine doubles, three home runs, 24 RBI. A guy that you know, doesn't strike out a whole lot, 
but uh, but you know a, a guy that uh, pretty good after the baseball is a senior. He's not going to chase a whole lot. But uh, you know one of those guys too again that has kind of made this Memphis team you know to be a, a formidable opponent. You know this is not the typical Memphis team. Coach Schoen rocks in a good team. Got got a veteran team there. And here we go, another guy uh, from Cordova, Tennessee, a senior outfielder, Colton Neal, hitting 310. Started all 46 games, 52 hits on the year, 13 doubles, three home runs. Another guy that's a veteran guy. And then Kyle Wallett, uh another Johnson City, Tennessee senior. So a lot of hometown kids, a lot of home state kids, a lot of veterans on this team. So they're – they're going to come out and be competitive. And uh, they have had some issues this year at times. But uh, if you look at their schedule, they, uh, they, they've played Ole Miss twice, lost both of those ball games. But those, both of those games were competitive. And listen, Ole Miss has kind of been up and down at times in the midweek. Uh, but they do take care of – Ole Miss takes care of them 9-6 there in AutoZone Park earlier this year. And then they did have the, the campus game a little bit later uh, in Oxford. And that's a 5-2 game. So both of those games uh, very competitive. The Memphis enters the week – Having uh, let's see, they played uh, last night. I guess Arkansas Pine Bluff. They win 11 to 10, and then over the weekend they take uh, two of three from South Florida. You know, a team that uh, that has given Florida some trouble. So they're coming in winners of three in a row. And again, this is a veteran team, but uh, you know, they're trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament. It's as simple as that. So they're not coming to Mississippi State just to to, uh, to have a hot dog or kind of take in the sights and. Talk about how wonderful Duty Noble Field is. They're 25 and 21, 8 and 9 in their conference. Beginning to play pretty good baseball. It's just 7 and 10 on the road. Uh, but some of those some of those get ball games obviously have been against you know Power Five type teams. I mean they lose they lose two out of three to start the season uh, against Indiana. But uh, they they have I give Coach Schoenrock and them some credit. They have played some good baseball. They have played a uh, a rather challenging schedule for themselves. They you know they, matter of fact they take uh, what two out of three from, from Houston in FedEx Park there. So uh, they're playing a competitive brand of baseball, and we, and we will see that tonight. And so my hope is Mississippi State can come out and, and kind of get going. We know that Keegan James is going to start for Mississippi State, and it's been a while since he pitched. He just had the uh, the one inning here a couple weeks ago against Georgia. But uh, he ought to be well-rested. And uh, one of the things that I will say, you know, talking to, let's just say, sources close to the program, we have a lot of competitive guys on this team tons of competitive guys on this team and they all want the baseball they want to get out there and compete but that said one of the things that i have been told is that keegan james has been among the most supportive of the teammates that yes he wants to get out there and pitch yes he is determined to get out there and show what he can do yes he wants to make a contribution but he's also not been a sour grapes guy that's cried behind the scenes that's caused problems in the clubhouse and so my hope is that he goes out tonight and has a big ball game. And then, you know what, I hope he gets to pitch next week uh, against Louisiana Tech and has a big ball game there. And how big will that be for his confidence to go out here and, and get a couple of wins and have a couple of good showings against a couple of teams that are battling to be NCAA tournament teams? That's where your depth kind of takes over. And, yeah, and I don't know if we take a Johnny Holstaff approach, you know, these non-conference games or not. We need to get some guys some work. It's been a long time since some of these guys pitched, so I imagine once you get it, I don't think you extend Keegan too long. You know, but I think if you can get four or five innings out of him and turn it over to the bullpen and let some guys get some work, it's been a while since Brandon Smith has pitched. It's been a while since Tyler Spring has pitched. It's been a long time since Jack Keegan's pitched. You need to get Cole Gordon some work. You need to get Colby White some work. 
Tristan Barlow didn't pitch over the weekend. And so you've got some options there. And so I suspect that what we'll see, unless Keegan is just absolutely dealing, I think we'll go four or five innings with him and then get some other guys in and get them some work. And then we'll get ready to go play Ole Miss. And uh, the way that I understand that'll work is um, we'll play tonight and we'll, uh, you know, we'll pack the bus and get ready to go and uh, go out there and practice uh, at the university field tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and then get, or pardon part me, Thursday night, and then get ready to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so uh, we're going to have a practice session, I guess, tomorrow here. I haven't got all the timing on that, but uh, we'll, we'll spend some time together for sure uh, tomorrow morning before they go to Oxford. And uh, it's, you know, it's a huge series for us because, number one, the most important thing is, is it's the next series in the SEC. And one of the things people always say, well, you know, it's the, the recruiting aspect of it. And, and that's true to a certain extent. But I, I really think everybody that's recruited by Mississippi State don't miss in-state, you probably already have an in-state leaning. But you really can't go – you can't make a bad decision. Of course, the best decision is always Mississippi State. My point being, though, is to give Ole Miss some respect, is I think a lot of high school kids see Mississippi State on Ole Miss as a program right now is rather even. I think if you look at the last three years and what's happened on the field, I think you would give the edge to Mississippi State, and certainly facilities-wise, it's Mississippi State you know, by a pretty wide margin. But this is not the Ole Miss team of the 80s, where they were just kind of another team on the schedule. So you want to go out and you want to go play well against them because you want to be able to go into you know, the players' living rooms and say, listen, you know, listen, Ole Miss is a great program, but we're better. You know, that, That's just the reality of it. You want to be able to, to have success against your in-state rival and not just because of the fact that uh, it helps on the recruiting trail, but it gives everybody a little more peace. It gives everybody an opportunity within this state to have a little more bragging rights. You walk around with that coffee cup at the office, you can poke your chest out a little bit, you can feel good about it, you know. And states dominated the series the last three years in the Jake Mangum era. And so and that's one of the reasons that I mentioned that. Jake Mangum will have these guys ready to play. And, and not to mention, you've got veterans on this team. They understand what's at stake here. They understand that we're playing – we're basically playing for the right to go to Omaha. It's it's really as simple as that. That's as honest as you can make it. Because if we take care of business these next two weeks, we will host a regional, and if we win that, a super regional. And so once we get back from Hoover, if we have handled our business, the next road game for us will be in Omaha. That's the reality of things. That's how important this weekend is. It could be the difference in a home or road super regional. And, and listen, Ole Miss playing some good baseball right now. They've been inconsistent at times this year. There's no doubt about it. But they're playing well right now. And you got to feel like them going down there and taking care of LSU, even though it's not that LSU team that people expect it to be. That's big for them. It would be big for us. Anytime that you can take two out of three from LSU, it, it's a big thing. It is a huge thing, and especially they hadn't done it since 1982 down in Baton Rouge. And so that's going to be a big conference builder. They're going to be on their on their home turf. This also gives them an opportunity to kind of right the ship in many respects because there are a lot of people kind of sleeping on this Ole Miss team. And, and to be fair to them, I think they've been a little bit disrespected. And, and listen, you don't when you drop games against North Alabama and you lose two out of three to Kentucky, you know people are going to, uh, to to doubt you. But this team is capable of putting it together and making a solid run. And I expect their best effort. That's why I'm so glad Ethan Small is going to pitch uh, that first ball game because I believe Ethan gives us an excellent opportunity to win game one because they have struggled mightily against lefties. And Ethan Small might be the most underappreciated Friday night starter that Mississippi State has had in many, many years. 
it's almost like because of the fact that JT Ginn has come in and that's been the that's been the surprise, right? I mean, you, you kind of knew what you were going to get with Ethan. You knew you were going to piecemeal it together on on Sundays, but JT Ginn comes in, so that's kind of the new toy. And because of that, because of the hype, it's going to JT is deserving of every accolade and then some. But I think because of that, some of our fans have, have kind of taken Ethan for granted. And when you look at the year that he's having, the numbers he's putting up, they're all SEC-type numbers. But he does, just simply doesn't get the hype I think that he deserves because at times his performance has been kind of over, overshadowed by what the team has done and how remarkable uh, the team has played at times this year. But one of the main cogs in this whole operation for the Diamond Dogs is Ethan Small. I expect him to go out there and give State a winning effort against Ole Miss because that's who he is. And I think we saw a side of him last weekend on the road at College Station uh, that he doesn't show very often. And I think a lot of it's because he's feeling it. I think he understands he's about to make a lot of money. He's about to have an opportunity to get back to Omaha. He's about to have an opportunity to have an elongated home schedule in the postseason. Just got to take care of business. He's let the next two outings for him. Uh, and so I simply feel that Ethan Small is pitching the best baseball of his career right now, which is what you want out of your ace. There were times last year, and I'm not being negative, you know, you know Connor Pilkington struggled, so we made the flip, right? Remember, late in the, people forget that, but late in the year last year, we flipped Pilkin and Ethan Small down the stretch, and Ethan kind of, you know, assumed that Friday night role, and so it wasn't a big shock to him this year to take that back over. But I look for him to come out on Friday and have a big, a big night for us. And then that puts them in kind of reactive mode. And uh, with JT again going, they've got some left-handed sticks in that order, so we'll see how that matchup goes. But the way Peyton Plumley has been pitching, and as I told Kendall Rogers last Sunday, uh, I said, listen, or Saturday, when Peyton Plumley is throwing that sinker for a strike, you're not going to beat him. You might be able to get him out of the ball game, but you're not going to be able to beat him. And that's the reality of things. When Peyton Plumley is throwing his sinking fastball, when he can throw that sinker up there, you're not going to win the ball game. And I, and I addressed him that on Monday, but he is pitching again probably the best baseball of his college career right now. And so when you begin to see these things happen, because we listen, we after our Arkansas series, all of us, even the truest of the true maroon, we were all kind of doubting ourselves and say, you know what? Well, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. And then we bounced back the next weekend, and people were expecting Georgia to beat us, and we, we sweep them. We didn't just win the series, we swept them. And then we go to A&M, and people were expecting us to, to just maybe get one, and we take two out of three and should have swept them. So we had our wake-up call at Arkansas. And as a result, you're starting to see some better baseball, and you're starting to see some better pitching. And I think you're seeing some better coaching as well. I think we're, I think we're managing things really well. And listen, there's always going to be plays you disagree on. There's always going to be one or two things to pop up in a ball game. But we don't, and sometimes we don't have all the facts. But we have opinions, which has never stopped any of us from, uh, you know, even though we don't have the facts, we're, we're, we're never, never, ever shy about sharing our opinions, especially on social media. Uh, but the bottom line is, is this team is beginning to play its best baseball. That can be further illustrated by taking this series, because if you really look at it, this Ole Miss series is the last real regular season test for this team. All due respect to Louisiana Tech, all due respect to Memphis, but you know, even if we lose this ball games, that's not not going to knock State out of the the uh, super regional possibilities of hosting. You go drop this series at Ole Miss, and I think people have questions about you, and especially if you get swept. 
but I don't anticipate that happening. I think it's going to be a very highly contested series, but, I, but I, I'll, I'll just tell you right out of the gate, Mississippi State's a better ball team than Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is a good baseball team. I, I'm, not, I'm not being negative about Ole Miss. I'm being positive about Mississippi State. I believe Mississippi State is a better team than Ole Miss. I don't think there's a lot of holes in the Ole Miss order. I think there's even less in the Mississippi State order. But Mississippi State simply has better pitching than Ole Miss. And I think in games like this, good pitching generally wins the ball game. As long as you go out there and do what you normally do, I think you got a chance to win and win big. But, uh, but again, it's going to be a great series, and we're going to get more into that on, on Friday. I want to get into this Tommy Stevens thing just a little bit here. A lot of people are discussing this as a very popular topic of conversation among Mississippi State fans. The first thing that I want to say is everybody needs to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on Tommy Stevens, okay? Because there are a lot of our fans that are setting themselves up for disappointment, and I'm not being negative about Tommy Stevens. But a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, listen, if he's a grad transfer, then he's got to be great, and that, you know that's that's just not true. I mean, that that's just because we're getting somebody else as player. It's not like that he played there for four years and it was a starter and then is had graduated and has found another spot. Tommy has struggled with the injuries most of his career. He was expected this year to have an opportunity to take over as a starter in his final year at Happy Valley now that Trace McSorley is gone. It's not like Trace McSorley is transferring to Mississippi State, okay? Tommy did not get a lot of reps in the spring game, and I think it became apparent to him that he was not going to be the starter at Penn State. And so then he elected, you know what, I've only got one more year to play. I'm not going to do it holding the clipboard. And I don't blame him. But if you look at who Mississippi State is competing against right now, Miami, Ohio, Illinois, Kentucky, Mississippi State. And he'll be here this weekend for an official visit. It's an important part of things. He'll come in here and spend some time with Joe. And I understand that Joe met with the quarterback room before we even set up a visit and said, hey, guys, look, here's what's going on. We have an opportunity to make our team better, okay? We have an opportunity to make our room better. We're going to bring him in, have him compete. He's a one-year guy, and let's let's kind of break the whole thing down here. Keaton Thompson is the starter heading out of spring. Keaton Thompson is better prepared to help Mississippi State win football games this fall than Jalen Maiden or Garrett Schrader. And that's not a slide of them. It's just that Keaton has been here. Keaton is more experienced. Keaton has been in this offense longer. Keaton understands what needs to happen. Keaton's played in big games. He's the guy. And in spring, when we had an opportunity to watch all the quarterbacks compete, Keaton was head and shoulders better. So even if you bring Tommy Stevens in, and let's say he doesn't play a whole lot, let's just say he comes in here, and let's say he pushes Keaton to be better, how do you lose? You can't. He's only here for the one year. Stopgap guy. But if he, if he comes in and makes the room better, which in turn makes the team better, you have to go sign that guy. And there are other people out there saying, well, you know, he's got to be guaranteed a starting position. He doesn't have a starting position now. It's not like he's leaving as a starter to be a starter elsewhere. Now, he wants to come in here and compete and have a chance to be the starter. But outside of Miami of Ohio, I can't imagine anybody's ready to, to just, you know, hand him the keys. The last time that I remember a guy being given the keys and being guaranteed a starting job was Brent Schaefer when he went to Ole Miss, and we saw how all that went. It was awful. Absolutely awful. 
So Joe Moorhead has been around for 24 hours. Joe is not going to just give anybody a job. They're going to have to come earn it. And so some people have said, well, if Tommy Stevens comes in, Keaton would transfer. Why would Keaton transfer? Because you've brought in a guy that's going to push him to help make him better, and the guy's only going to be here for one semester, right? He's a grad transfer. Maybe he's here for a year, but he's going to be here one season, and that's it. You know, Keaton still has two years of eligibility left. So why would Keaton leave uh, just to go sit somewhere else? Keaton has worked hard, bided his time, put in the work to be the starter here. So because you bring in a grad transfer to compete with him, you think he's going to leave? Well, where's he going to go? Oh, he's going to go D1. Oh, okay, I'd like to see that waiver. Oh, you think he'll be ruled eligible to compete this year because he got his feelings hurt? That's not Keaton. Keaton is not going to back away from that. Keaton's feelings will not be hurt if you bring in Tommy Stevens. And there are other people out there, they, they kind of rest their insecurities on other people in other situations. And I'm sure, well, if it was me, this is what I would do. Well, it's not you. It's not you. And I know that Keaton Thompson exited the spring with a lot of confidence. Can he be better? Absolutely. Can we win with Keaton Thompson? We absolutely can. Keaton's 2-0. and And that's the thing I, I, I tell people is like, you know, there are some people that are gamers. And I know Keaton Thompson started two ball games for us. And he goes out and outdoes Lamar Jackson in the Gator Bowl. And then he sets an, an SEC record or matches an SEC record for touchdowns accounted for against Stephen F. Austin. Yes, I know of Stephen F. Austin, but that's still a guy making his first start in the season opener. And so that's the evidence we have to work with. And so if Tommy Stevens can come in here and beat him out, then great. Great. Because here's the deal. My loyalty is to Mississippi State. And then in turn it is to the players. You know, love those guys, but nobody is bigger than the program. And, you know, while I'm a Keaton Thompson fan, I am a Keaton Thompson fan because he plays at Mississippi State. And that's not, again, a slight at him. I, I think he is a tremendous young man and a great ambassador for Mississippi State, and I hope that he breaks every record we've ever had. Hope he takes us to Atlanta. But I'm not going to quit rooting for Mississippi State if Keaton Thompson transfers. But again, that's just silly talk because it's just, it's just not reality. It's not one of those situations you look at and you think, well, he's going to leave just because of the fact we bring in somebody else. It's not like we're telling him that we don't believe in him. We're just trying to make our team better. And, and if we have an opportunity to bring a guy in that maybe understands the offense, and let's just say you bring Tommy Stevens in and then he becomes best friends with Garrett Schrader, and then spends the next year helping Garrett Schrader learn the nuances of the Jim Moorhead offense, isn't that a win for us too? How can we feel bad about that? So I don't see any downside of bringing this guy in. Keaton's not going to transfer. Why would he transfer? Keaton's a competitor. That kid is a warrior. Keaton Thompson nearly came in and and, uh, led State to the Egg Bowl win after that horrid injury to Nick Fitzgerald. It took five turnovers in that ball game for us to lose. But we did lose. But I think Keaton became a better player after that. I think Keaton saw himself and where he needed to improve. And one of the things that anybody that's been around Keaton will tell you, the kid is not scared to work. The kid comes in ready to go every single day. And so Tommy Stevens is going to be here. He's going to take his official visit. They'll show him around. And how could he not like it down here? It's going to be much warmer weather. Great facilities, great coaching, great conference, great schedule. 
but our fans need to understand this is a guy that is coming in that has never been a college starter. He's played behind Trace McSorley. And he waited his time, and he was ready to go. He waited his time, and he was thought he would be the guy. I don't fault the guy for leaving. You know, and even if you find out you only had one year left to play, would you rather ride the bench or would you rather go somewhere you've got an opportunity to play? Well, I don't know about you. I, you know, I'm not going through practice just to watch everybody else play. I don't care if I got to transfer to Bug Tussle Tech. I want to be on the field because before you know it, you're going to be an old guy paying the mortgage and raising kids and thinking about all the memories you could have made. And that's not to say one's better than the other. They're all, you know, kind of a, a part of life. But the bottom line is, if you found out that you're not going to be the guy, you got to go somewhere you've got another opportunity to be the guy and just kind of start over. But I don't see any downside in signing this kid. And there are a lot of people out there that, you know, are so anti-Tommy Stevens. I don't, I don't quite understand that. You know, I wouldn't bring him in if it cost me the quarterback room. But I know this. I know the kind of person Keaton Thompson is. I know the kind of person Andrew Bronner is. And they'll know how to manage that room. You know, Keaton's not going to be a, a, a cancer on our team. And, and I know Keaton well enough to know this, is that uh, if Keaton couldn't win the job, Keaton will work that much harder to stay in shape and be ready to take over in case things went south. But again, I don't anticipate a problem. Uh, and what I understand, too, is, is if, as of right now, Kentucky and Mississippi State haven't offered a scholarship. They're supposed to talk about that when they show up. But the bottom line is, is that uh, you know there are not a lot of options for Tommy Stevens right now. I'm sure if he wanted to drop down level or you know play at a, a G5 school like Miami of Ohio, I don't think that you know that would be a problem for him. I think he could go win those jobs. But I think he wants the opportunity to play the best brand of football he can possibly play that gives him an opportunity to actually compete to be the starter. Kentucky's returning a starter. While he wasn't great. They return the starter. It'll be interesting to see how Kentucky is this year without uh, without some of those offensive pieces, without Josh Allen on defense. Goodness gracious, you know. But be that as it may, you know that's a competitive situation. I think Stevens goes in there understanding he is competing for a job. He's not going to be given a job. And I, but again, I've read people say, well, he'll have to be guaranteed a job. He isn't guaranteed a job anywhere. If he elected to stay at Penn State, he's not guaranteed a job. And it's pretty clear he didn't win that job. The fact that he got a reduced number of reps in a spring game tells me they're going with somebody else, right? And immediately after the spring games, he announced he's transferring. That tells me he didn't get the job, and he knows it. Why he didn't get the job is really of no consequence to me. But the bottom line is, is that Mississippi State is an opportunity for him where he knows Joe Moorhead, he knows the fundamentals of the Joe Moorhead offense, he has a relationship with Joe Moorhead, so it makes sense for him to reach out to Joe Moorhead, him or his dad, and say, listen, I'm interested in Mississippi State. That makes perfect sense to me. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be your quarterback. And uh, and I've read and heard, you know, all these prognostications. And, you know, and again, there's nothing at this point that's been promised to anybody. We'll figure it out, you know. The uh, summer – summer school workouts, that's all going to be here pretty quick. So he's got to make a decision sooner rather than later. But he also still has another visit left that he can take. He's knocked out Kentucky, been to Mambo, Ohio. I think he's been to Illinois. So he's still got, he's still got, he can take his five official visits. So there still may be somebody else, another contender that jumps in here late. But here's the, the, the reality of the whole thing. We're going to be a good football team with or without Tommy Stevens. 
and there are some of our fans that have gotten so mostly invested in this and really you hadn't done your homework because Tommy Stevens is a guy that has been injury plagued ultra talented guy that has had a lot of bad luck but the bottom line is it, it, this is not a guy with a lot of college reps under his belt they're going to come in and be a difference maker now he could now let's just say for an example state signs him he comes in here and, and everything begins to click that's perfect that's wonderful because we just want to go win football games but the reality of it is at this point in his career there is no evidence to suggest that is going to be the case. And I'm not being negative. I'm just being a realist here. Very limited number of snaps. Very limited number of passes thrown. Very limited college resume. And it may be you know, that he's just one of these guys that's going to explode as a senior because maybe a, a change of scenery will do him good and he'll come in here and, and set the Mississippi State passing record. And nobody would complain about that. But the bottom line is, is that Joe Moorhead has to go out and find the players that make Mississippi State the best possible football program it can be. This is not the Cub Scouts, okay? This is not one of those deals where we're going to pull everybody aside, and no matter how bad their effort is, we're going to give them a merit badge and a cupcake and send them home and tell everybody did a great job. That's not how we're doing it. This is major college football. And so if we can go bring a guy in that makes us better from a depth point of view, then that's great. If we can go get a guy that becomes the starter at quarterback in the Southeastern Conference and, and leads us to a, a huge ball game, then so be it. But again, there's no downside in recruiting Tommy Stevens. There's there's nothing there's nothing negative about going and getting it. All he does is makes makes you better, either as your starter, as a backup, or as a guy to help mentor Garrett Schrader. Either way, it is a win-win-win for Mississippi State. And I know that Jim Moorhead's done his homework. And I was told that he met with the quarterback room before he even really seriously approached Stevens and said, hey, guys, here's our situation. Here is the opportunity that has been presented to us. And what are your thoughts on it? I am 100% confident that Jim Moorhead took all that under advisement. Of course, now he's the football coach, okay? You know, he's the guy that's got to make those decisions. I don't think he's asking for, for permission. But I do know because of the fragile nature of the quarterback psyche, and Joe being one himself, he understands he wants to have some input, and so he got feedback from those guys. I'm 100% confident that conversation took place. So there are some people that are get on you know, Facebook and social media, and they'll suggest that uh, things are, are not quite as they are. It's, oh, they're blindsided by this. Completely false. Absolutely completely false. But when we get back together on Friday, maybe we'll have the idea how things are going. We'll see. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Friday. We'll preview the Ole Miss series and we'll recap what happened against Memphis and we'll look ahead to what could be with Tommy Stevens. But until next time, let's all live our lives and a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.